and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today on the show, we got a fun topic. It's soil pH. We're going to tell you why this is the most important thing you need to look at on your soil test, even more so than nitrogen, phosphorus, or potassium. If you've got any questions about soil pH or anything that's going on in your farm, you can give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can also send us an email, radio at agphd.com, or find us on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. All right, so with soil pH, the reason why it is so incredibly important is you just don't maximize yield unless you've got your pH at least halfway close. Now, we've seen a lot of data over the years in terms of, well, boy, if your pH is in the fives, you're going to give up this much kind of yield. And if your pH is 7.5, you give up this much yield in these different crops and all this kind of stuff. But as you know, here at Ag PhD, we like doing our own research. And this is what we encourage you to do as well. Figure things out on your own farm and see what kind of data you get. Now, not just one year or in one spot, but multiple years, lots of different spots. Just run some trials on things. So, as you know, for the last four years now, we've been comparing yields versus soil test grid points. And we've been doing over 2,000 grid points every year for these four years, five years now, I think. And... It's just powerful, the data that we've got. It's also shocking because with soil pH, for years we thought, oh boy, you know, there's a big difference with soybeans. No, haven't found it yet. Our our yields are just as good if our pH is 5.5 as if it's 7.5. Really hasn't made a difference. But as I say that, please understand, if our pH is low, we're working on raising it. If our pH is high, we are working on what's out of balance to try to get it back down but as long as we're doing something about it we're still maximizing yield our yield is really about the same all across the board on corn opposite Uh, when we're down in the fives for ph crushed on yield crushed so i mean like 40 bushel yield loss so yeah we don't want that we got to make sure that our ph is up at least into the sixes and then we maximize yield we actually have been doing okay into the low sevens with uh, with corn yield so again i'm not saying that you can have any ph with soybeans or that you can have sixes or sevens with corn and you're going to maximize yield just by doing nothing else you still need to address things and work on the goal, like our goal, for example, is we'd like to be in the sixes for pH, you know, just somewhere in the sixes, and we feel like we're going to be pretty good. But pH is the first thing that we would always encourage you to look at on the soil test. And when your pH is out of the sixes, outside of the sixes, that's telling you that something's out of balance in your soil. So we've talked often here about low pH, you got a line. High pH, What's out of balance could be excess magnesium or sodium. It could be even like on our farm where we were really low, ridiculously low on potassium. We increased our K levels and you know what? Our soil pH came down. And I've never seen anybody publish any data saying, well, if your 
K is really low and you simply raise your K levels, your pH is going to come down. I, 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 like I say, this is why we like doing our own testing. And it does prove the, the point that when we say, hey, something's out of balance, you got to figure out what that is. Get everything in balance as much as you can. And I know sometimes we say, well, that costs money to do. Yeah, it does. But if you own the ground or if you have a long-term lease or for that matter, even if you rent the ground, my suggestion, if you rent the ground and you go, you look at the soil test and you go, oh, wow, <laughs> we, we got problems here. Talk to the landlord. There, I mean, sure, there are some landlords, they don't care. But a lot of landlords, they're great. They just want their ground to be better. And I mean, there are a lot of people that care about you, believe it or not. They want you to be successful. And when you say, look, I'll show you the soil test. Here's what's going on. I'm going to need some help somehow, some way, or at least a long-term lease or something else. It's it's certainly possible you could work something out with that landlord and maybe you build a stronger relationship and maybe now you have that longer term contract or whatever. But anyway, with soil pH, I, I would just say if it is, let's say, way outside the sixes, let's say it's 8.5 or let's say it's 4.5, don't lose hope. There, There is a way that you can get those things back into get that soil ph back into balance so the the low ph is pretty easy when you just put lime out there but on the high ph side that's that's usually where we have to talk that through a little bit and i would say too if you ever have soil tests and you go boy i don't know what to do and i'm looking at my ph it's terrible and this thing i i'm i'm just not sure just send them to us well we're more than happy to look at your soil tests and I, I, when you do that, I, I would say, please get complete tests. So we just got some in today, Darren, I saw from that question we had with manure the other day. And we had said, well, we don't have a soil test. So we get the soil test back. Well, we don't have sodium on there. We don't have most of the micronutrients on there. And the guy was asking about manure. Well, the first thing that I'm going to look at if the person says, well, I think I may have been over applying manure, I'm going to first look at salts. I'm, number two, you know what I'm going to look at? Sodium. And it's not even on the test. And sure, micronutrients could be low. And we just, we want to have all these, uh, we, we, we just want to have a lot of the tests done. So we can look at it. We say, okay, here's a complete test. Ooh, here, you got to fix this thing and this thing and this thing. These four things over here are good. So when you're getting that soil test, it's great to get soil pH tested, but just don't forget about all the other things. Because again, if your soil pH is out of whack, that's telling us something's out of balance. And now it's up to all of us to try to figure out what's out of balance. Let's get it back into balance. And over time, your pH will start to neutralize. We're going to talk soil pH on today's program. We're also taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Stay tuned. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. 
It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Get the most out of every acre of your farm by attending Ag PhD's workshops and clinics this winter. I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are hosting several free workshops throughout January and February with seven full days of events on the docket, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, a tiling clinic, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. We have a lot of great information that we can't wait to share. And best of all, these events are free. Register today at agphd.com. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutritia N Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutritia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today with a pile of soil tests in front of us. And as Brian mentioned, soil test data, thousands of grid points from our farm over the last five years, and looking at the impacts of soil pH on our productivity, it's a big deal. We we certainly want to be watching what that pH is, looking at why it is the way it is, and trying to address that to to get the most yield we can and most profitability each season. We've got Rich Haynes with us right now with Sound Ag. Rich, how are you doing today? Hey, Brian, Darren. I'm uh, doing really well, thanks. You know, it'd be nice if pH was just a non-issue and all the microbes in our soil could be working at 100%, but... Uh, it just isn't the case. I, I know even in a single field, Rich, we'll have pHs on our farm. Well, we've had fields where we've had a pH that's in the upper fours and a pH in the low eights in the same field <laughs> from you know several grid points away. And it's like, you got to be kidding me. There, there's a lot to watch here. Absolutely. So, you know, first I want to say I'm pretty avid listener. I really appreciate what you guys do. Um, but when you think about soil pH, so what are we talking about? You know, you're talking about, you know, a measure of active acidity or hydrogen ion concentration, right? So it's, in my opinion, it's one of the number one things whenever I get soil tests back to look at because it directly relates to nutrient availability. Um, and as you said, on a field-by-field, field, an acre-by-acre acre basis, and it's going to tie up all your macros and can be a really limiting factor due to that re reduced uh, bacterial and microbial activity. Yeah, it, it is a, a massive thing. I know we've talked about, um, you know, our spray water and trying to make sure we don't have anything there that kills off microbes. But, but if you're dropping bugs into soil, that's a four for a pH. It's, that's not a good sign. I, I, I look at it this way, Rich. I think, and we got winter coming here. I, I'd say it's like putting me outside and it's 25 below zero. Uh, it's still me, but I'm not going to be able to get much done. No, not going to get much done, especially down in the in the fours, because you know you think about where you're at. 
with a with an acidic pH like that, a lot of aluminum and iron tie up. You know, you're going to be high in hydrogen, especially when you're below six. You know, and if you think about your factor, you know, your if your seven's neutral, then your six is ten x above that, and then your five's ten x above your six, and then your four's ten x more above your five. So you're, you know, multiples higher. Um, that is really going to tie up and uh, make nitrogen and phosphorus unavailable. You know, there there are a lot of things that we're doing on the farm to try and fix things long term. But I also look at we've got to raise a good crop this year, the best we can raise for uh, for the money and make some profit this year. Uh, what are some things that you can do short term? Hey, I, I've got a pH that's crazy high, crazy low, whatever. It's just out of that ideal range. Uh, what do you recommend to growers going into this next season? <laughs> Well, you know, we could talk for an hour about this, but uh, on the low side, you know, really uh, lime is kind of going to be one of your big things to do there. If you're on the high side, more alkaline soil, you know, sodium, magnesium, salts, it's usually poor drainage. Um, so that's usually a little bit longer term fix. It's tile drainage. Uh, but if your drainage is good, then it's looking at things like gypsum or elemental sulfur um, as some options to start, you know, bringing that down toward where we want it at kind of that six, eight, six, well, six, five to, to seven is would be ideal. Yeah, we, we just have to, we can't stand still because otherwise we know what's going to happen out there. And like Brian had mentioned, we, we just identified even in the fives on our farm, it was costing us 40 bushels of corn. Well, if you say, I don't know if I can afford to fix it, that's about $300 an acre right there of loss <laughs> yeah. uh, that, that you just aren't noticing. So you, you definitely got to spend the time, measure things, and, and get after them. Talking with Rich with Sound Ag right now. Uh, Rich, oh. thank you so much. Hey, really appreciate the kind words about... Uh, following the show and thanks for being a part of the show today sure really at the very end i just want to say check out our website at sound.ag you can learn more about our product offerings and check out our placement tool performance optimizer uses ph organic matter and cec uh, for yourself yeah sound.ag thanks rich really appreciate it hey thank you have a good rest of your day you bet you too i uh, got ron myers with us with colorado state right now ron uh, how are you doing today hey good afternoon good to be with you you know, this fall weather has been really fun, and especially for the guys pulling soil samples to, to get nice warm weather all the way through the whole month of October. That's that's wonderful. So no excuses for guys not pulling samples this year. That's right. Yeah, we've had nice warm weather, and uh, yeah, and not so much wind either. You Usually we're pretty windy here, and uh, so we haven't had a lot of wind. We have had some days that it's blown pretty hard, but uh, overall we've had a beautiful fall. Hey, Ron, this is Brian. I, I just had a question for you. Thinking about out in Colorado, a lot of people irrigate. What do you do when the irrigation water is high in pH and it's raising the guy's soil pH? What, what, do, you, what, what do you say to a person to hopefully remedy this moving forward? Yeah, so we've got, uh, we deal with high pH soils uh, out here. Eastern Colorado, high pH soils. They, they test oftentimes 7.5 to 8 uh, in the pH, and so our water is also high pH. Now, there are some chemicals that don't really care about that, but some do. Glyphosate's one of those, and so we have to lower the water pH. We use ammonium sulfate that we mix in, and that lowers the, the water pH and makes uh, glyphosate and some others work a little better. Uh, but our soils are a different story. You know, the parent material has buffer capacity, and so we can lower the pH slightly with a little sulfur, but it's a temporary uh, change. And so that's something we have to be ready for. 
So if the water is super high in pH, is have you found anything as a treatment or or what what can a guy do because we get a lot of people that say, "Well, oh boy, my water's terribly high in pH. I'm going to make a bad problem worse." Yeah, so that that uh, it doesn't high pH water does not help high pH soils. You're right about that. So we attack the issue uh, from a soil standpoint. The water is what it is, and uh, if we're mixing chemical in that high pH water, then we've got to lower the the water in the tank, uh, and that's pretty easy to do. We can do there a different story for us, and so there are some crops that are sensitive to high pH, uh, and we have to avoid those crops. So I beans is one of those. Uh, we have to use, um, you know, soybean varieties that will tolerate high pH soil. Uh, and then we grow a lot of irrigated corn out here. And so we actually put some fertilizer down uh, with planters. Uh, we'll ban by two placement. We'll use a lot of zinc, uh, some sulfur uh, with that planter to try and adjust the pH of the soil slightly so the corn has a chance. Now, with the buffer capacity in soils, uh, we can lower the pH a little bit, but over the course of the season, it tends to bump back up. And so zinc and sulfur are the two most common micronutrients we use. Uh, we just sometimes do use a little iron as well. So those high pH soils will tie up those micronutrients for us. All right, on the low pH side, is there lime readily available? What, what do you guys do in Colorado? Yeah, so uh, we do have a, a, some small areas where the pH is lower and they need to raise it up a little bit. Um, no, lime is not typically very available here. It's it's terribly expensive just because we have to haul it in. But we have used uh, some other products like uh, we have a sugar beet industry here and the waste product from that sugar beet plant uh, will raise uh, pH uh, at the soil level. And so we've done that. That has worked. Uh, and again, it's a temporary fix, but uh, it has uh, temporarily solved some of the low pH problems for us as well. Yeah, it's always interesting taking a look at these soil samples. And uh, I, I know we encourage growers to get out and, and check their soils and see what there is, because if you don't measure it, it's pretty tough to manage it. Uh, we're talking with Ron Meyer here with Colorado State. Ron, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on today and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Good being with you again. Take care. You bet. You know, when you look at the high pH, and, and I know where you're getting at, Brian, we get questions all the time, man, can I do something to the water or do I just deal with the soil? Ron's approach there, let's deal with the soil. And we, we look at that a lot of times as improving drainage, uh, using sulfur and, and different things to try to help some of those bad things like sodium, for example, flush out of the soil. They're, they're just different strategies that, that you can use. And certainly wherever you're at, you might face some different conditions than what we're facing on our farm or, or others you may hear on our show. That doesn't mean there's no hope. That doesn't mean there isn't something you can do. There almost always is something you can do to make things a little better. We'll continue that discussion about soil pH coming up right after this. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. 
Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. It came on a night like any other. With power unlike anything else on Earth. Using beyond advanced active ingredients like bicyclopyrrole, Acuron GT post-emergence corn herbicide is here to annihilate tough weeds. Advanced technology. Enhanced control. Talk to your Syngenta retailer about Acuron GT. Always read and follow label instructions. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Downtime during spraying can lead to huge yield losses. Keep rolling with the Pentair Hypro Force Field. This pump features a unique self-regulated chamber that allows the pump to run dry while eliminating cracked seals, so you can spray longer and more reliably. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. If you understood everything on a soil test and could make your own fertility plan, you think you could cut your farm's fertilizer expenses? Maybe you could increase your yields. Why not both? I'm Darren Hefty. We want to empower you to make your own fertility decisions. That's why we're devoting two full days to our Ag PhD Soils Clinic this year, January 10th and 11th at the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. This could be the two most important days you spend in your farming career, and it's free. So register now at agphd.com. Did you know that more than 50 weed species will survive the winter? Get a jump start on spring with a fall burndown herbicide plan. Weed control in fall provides big benefits including more flexibility, less need for tillage, and a stronger start come planting. New Farm offers a strong lineup of proven herbicides to reduce the weed seed bank and protect your crop from harvest to canopy. Go to newfarm.com slash US crop slash fall burndown 2022 to learn more. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, talking about soil pH. And yes, a lot of things to look at on a soil test. And when you see your pH is way off and out of that ideal range, something is out of balance in that soil. There's something that's too high, something that's too low, and something that you can work on for sure. But it's just identifying those various factors that are going to make the difference for your farm. Real happy to have Kyle along with us right now with Kinsey Ag. Kyle, how are you doing today? I'm good. How about yourself? Not too bad. It's still 70 degrees up here. Still a little warm for you to come up. You got to wait till it cools down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the plan. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're talking soil pH today, and I know I know uh, that, that you often talk about this when we get something out of whack we get a pH that gets way too high or way too low. What are some of the things that for growers who have pH that's too high that they should really be watching for on that soil test and, and then maybe some things they could do to try and fix it? Well, generally what we see is 
Calcium is effective at raising the pH whenever it's lower, whenever you have a lower pH. But that means that there's too much of something else there, which is causing that high pH. Uh, but at that higher pH range, we see that more sodium and potassium and magnesium are much more effective than calcium at raising pH levels. Yeah, sodium, man, we get these sodic spots. We'll often get pHs up into the nines, and that mm -hmm. seems yeah. seems like, oh, no, we're never going to fix that, and we probably aren't going to fix it overnight. Uh, is sulfur yeah. part of the answer, drainage part of the answer, uh, or, or just applying more of some of those other nutrients that we're short on? Yeah, well, it all depends on what that soil test actually shows. You know, sodium is four times more effective than calcium at raising the pH from speaking from a normal calcitic point of view of addition of calcium. But if we have that high sodium content, if you have a low calcium level, because we all talk about balance at Kinsey Ag and a lot of our soil consultants, we're, we're very much in tune to calcium magnesium balance. And if we have a low calcium threshold then we actually have more room to add that calcium and kind of influence that negative effect that the sodium is having but if we're maxed out on our calcium usage to where we would go excessive then i got sulfur and uh, ammonium sulfate just sulfate forms of sulfur would uh, be able to try and utilize that and hopefully drive it out and if you don't have the correct drainage or if you have a hard pan in there and that sulfur isn't able to leach out because that sulfur will attach onto those ions and try and strip them out. And that'd be an effective way of getting rid of that, uh, those influences. But, you know, without the, uh, without the proper drainage, you also won't be able to let that sulfur leave. So True. it's just a matter of, you know, if we have that low calcium, then we have that room for it to be able to influence those negative spots and if we're already maxed out on that then we need to think of another avenue or at least with like ammonium sulfate applications we can at least create a uh, a point that will influence that uh, neutral zone for that availability of nutrients and microbiology but if it doesn't get drove out then it will just come right back up if it's not leached out you, know, you mentioned compaction there, too. I'm glad you said that because I, I had kind of left that out of the discussion, too, so far. If we have compaction issues, that absolutely needs to be addressed, whether we get a high pH or a low pH. We, we don't right, want to have that. Any application that you're doing, the anions that uh, do not stick around or, you know, or easily leach will actually just begin to just accumulate and accumulate, and you're going to eventually cause yourself way more issues. Uh, if you have that compacted layer. So we have to do something to rectify that. You know, on the low pH side, I know sometimes growers will say, oh man, well, that's an easy fix, but it isn't free. <laughs> you have to spend some right. money on lime. But uh, dialing in that lime rate is something we get so many questions on in terms of uh, should we be looking at the calcium-based saturation percentage? Should we be just accepting whatever the lime recommendation is in tons from our lab? Because honestly, we have growers that will send samples to different labs and get wild differences in how much lime they recommend putting on. What, right. what do you look at when you're you're trying to figure out uh, bringing that pH up? Well, what we look at is what is it going to take in our 
program, we look at, you know, our 68% calcium range and 12% magnesium range, 5% potassium and 3% sodium. If we get all of those in the correct balance, then our pH should be around 6.5, barring if you're, you know, irrigation water or you get heavy rainfall, then that rainfall of that irrigation water is going to influence your pH. But if we get the correct balance, then we find that, you know, our pH is going to be right there, you know, around that 6.3 to 6.7 range. Just So what we're doing is actually calculating to figure out where we need to be to reach those ideal percentages, we're looking at base saturation percentages. Uh, and so if we're looking at low pH, then we do exactly what it would take to reach either with calcitic lime or dolomitic lime or both, a combination of both, to reach that 68%, 12% calcium, magnesium, respectively. Talking with Kyle Long here with Kinsey Ag, and we're discussing soil pH on Ag PhD Radio. Kyle, one question we get a lot is the depth of the sample. And we see a lot of six-inch samples get pulled, and a lot of mm-hmm. folks will say, well, that's where most of the aerobic zone is, or most of the root system's at, where most mm-hmm. of the microbes are at. Is, is there any use in pulling deeper tests or more shallow tests, or do you like that six-inch test a lot? We like the uh, six and three quarter inch test. Uh, that's our main. If we're doing conventional tilled ground on no till ground, we go four inches because that aerobic zone is a little bit shallower. But generally, if you're anything in the subsoil, isn't really isn't easily picked up by the plant. And so, if you're curious of uh, you know accumulation of nutrients like iron, manganese, or just curious at what that subsoil is then uh, you know you could pull those and but there's not really we wouldn't really make any fertilizer recommendations based on a subsoil sample because as you work on those top six inches eventually those layers are going to penetrate into the subsoil so if you correct your soil on top and most of the nutrients get picked up within the top two inches anyway so but it'll get picked up throughout that aerobic zone uh more so than that anaerobic zone. But eventually those layers will fall and you will change your structure uh, even deep into the subsoil, which would also give more of a benefit to your root systems there because you know that you have that better environment and that correct porosity going down deeper. We talked about balance, and uh, one of the things that you talk about a lot, Kyle, is we get that porosity of the soil right. We get compaction eliminated. We have healthier soils, more microbiology working for us, and uh, all those things are good. So that's why it's so important addressing high or low soil pHs and what's causing them. Uh, Kyle Long with Kinsey Ag, thank you so much for being on today. We really appreciate appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you here this winter. Yeah, thank you very much. Look forward to it. Right, Brian, Kyle brought up one thing, too, we didn't talk about compaction. And it's interesting to see uh, what a shallow compaction layer can do, restricting drainage, but also keeping all the roots in that shallow zone. That that changes things. Yep. Yeah, we had that issue on our own farm. And no, I agree. We probably should start mentioning that a little bit when we talk about pH, but there are just so many other things to get to. Well, once again, I guess just to kind of wrap up this pH discussion— if you take a look at your soil pH and you see it's out of the range of the sixes, the odds are 
that it's going to be hurting yield in some crop, one or another. And so if your pH is low, we just encourage you lime. If your pH is high, oh, and by the way, when I say lime, there, there, there's it's a little more complex than that. We want you to pick a fine grade of lime. Don't over lime. Make sure you're taking small grids instead of bigs. So you put the lime in the right places. And if your pH is high, let's look at what's out of balance. But you're not going to know what's out of balance unless you get a complete soil test done. So if you ever have soil test questions, just send your soil test to us, radio at agphd.com. We'd be more than happy to take a look at them. We're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag right after this. It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented, season-long, inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com farmall. When nematode pressure mounts, Seed Applied Trunemco provides assurance. Growers using Trunemco are seeing a difference. From early plant vigor to improved soybean and cotton yield, impressive results are everywhere, and we want to hear about yours. You could win $20,000 and be named a Trunemco Top Grower. Request your starter kit at newfarm.com forward slash top grower, but don't delay. Contest ends November 30th. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. See full rules. Newfarm.com forward slash top grower. How can you make your corn crop more successful? I'm Darren Hefty. Thursday, February 9th, we're going to answer that question at a free Ag PhD corn agronomy workshop at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll talk about water management, fertility needs, finding success in cold soils, and we'll discuss how to protect your corn crop from weeds, insects, and diseases that can rob your yield potential. There's a great opportunity to make profit in your corn crop this year. Don't miss the free Ag PhD corn agronomy workshop. Register now at agphd.com. In a world of Veltima fungicide. Hey, let's do it less dramatic. Just say Veltima fungicide. Okay, Veltima fungicide. No, that's literally the same. Veltima fungicide. Still doing it. Veltima fungicide does it. Seriously, we just need you to say Veltima fungicide. Swift, simple, and secure. Didn't I? Veltima fungicide from BASF in cornfields this summer. Always read and follow label directions. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. Hey everybody, come on in. The Ag PhD Mailbag is about to begin. 
back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It is time for the Ag PhD Mailbag. And we're going to start with the first question here that came in. It's from Travis in South Dakota. He's working with some farmers here. Just trying to figure out what's happening. We're having some some issues. Uh, they're putting on manure every other year. Just wondering if that is part of the problem. They're putting on four to 5,000 gallons. And we got two samples uh, of uh different manures that they're using one has about 76 pounds of manure per thousand gallon or 76 pounds of salt per thousand gallons the other one has a hundred pounds of salt per thousand and they're putting on four to five thousand gallons so that's that's the question here on the salt end we've had some really dry years in this area where this came from could the dry years and 500 pounds of salt per acre be a problem well, here's, here's why we don't know. There's no soluble salt test on here, and there's no sodium test on here. So I, I don't know. I, I mean, I appreciate that they sent us the soil test, but unfortunately they aren't complete soil tests, so we don't have the answer. So I, I the cost I, difference you, between the analysis run and a complete analysis is... I don't know, a dollar or two? Yeah, a dollar, dollar or, two. or two. It's not much per sample. I mean, grand total for all the... Let's see, I'm just going to... Oh, I, I have a number here on how many tests because it's in got, fact, got in fact, 104 may... of them. So it would cost about two or three, maybe, maybe let's say it was even $3. It's $300 for all this, and I could have had everything I need. But anyway, so I can't answer the question, unfortunately. I, I, I So I don't know if salt's causing a problem because you don't have a soluble salts test, and you also don't have a sodium test on your soil test. Now, I will say, as I look at these soil tests, and these are from last fall, October of last fall. There's the next thing. I'd like to see what's it look like this year. But um, there are a lot of soil pHs that are really bad. So our, our, I'm glad, Darren, that we got this information today because our topic is soil pH. And if you remember, for our listeners, what, what I said at the outset today, it wasn't hurting our soybean yield as much when we were down in the fives for pH, but it was clobbering our corn yields. And this is over years and it's like if you get into the fives, um, you're dropping 30 for sure, if not 40 bushels or more. Yeah. Okay, well, he's got a whole bunch of them here so in, some the are in the low fives. Yeah, some are in the fives, and then some are in the, what, upper sevens to eights too? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, there are a lot of tests, so I don't know where the yield is bad or anything else. So, okay, so let, there's some let, let's, let, there. let, let's step back here for just a second. One thing... If you're listening today and you say, oh boy, they're talking about one acre grids and all these tests and everything else, let me make it real easy for you. If you've never done a whole lot for soil testing, I only want you to take two tests and let's start there and we'll move on after that. But what I want you to do is take a field like he's talking about right here and say, all right, let's take the the worst area where we go, boy, the yield should be better, but it's just not. Granted, I mean, if let's say it's a wet hole and you don't have the drainage fixed, well, that's pretty obvious. Okay. What I'm talking about is it looks like it should be a good area, but it's not. It's disappointing in yield. Pull a soil test from right there. And when you pull that soil test, you have to take several cores to get enough soil to send in. So you've got to basically uh, drill down with your soil probe several times. Do it in a very small area because we want to see what the yield is right in that spot too. I'm just getting you ready for the future when you start doing a bunch more soil testing. But anyway, I, I just tell people drive up to that spot, just pull two or three cores on each side of the vehicle, throw it all in the bag, send her in. Done. 
Now go to the very best spot in the field. Do the exact same thing. So take your highest yielding spot and then your lowest yielding spot that's at least in an area that should be decent. And then we can really compare and say, all right, what's our difference here? And I mean, even right away when you look at stuff, you may be able to figure things out. All right. Thanks for sending the samples. And I do think it is helpful. I know sometimes uh, you may be wondering, man, I wonder why they, they say, well, sorry, we can't help you. It's really important because we get so many samples in where where we get all the information and more from from folks. And it's like, wow, we got everything we could ask for here. It's it's great. And it really helps us to to be able to help you out. Uh, also, again, it is the Ag PhD mailbag time. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Hey, Darren, um, I just got some soil tests back. I did some soil sampling in my lawn, and I got a bunch of trees where there's no grass even growing because I, I, it's pine trees, and so I knew what the answer was. The pH was low, but I was surprised it wasn't any lower. It was 5.9 for pH. So this is one of the things, too. There are certain plants that... They're going to make your soil lower in pH like pine trees. So pine trees actually prefer low soil pH. And when all those needles are dropping year after year after year, well, the pH is going to get driven down. Okay. But here's the other thing that you, you can see real plainly on the soil test. Oh, all right. This is where a bunch of trees are. Understand 1.8% base saturation K. That's horrific for trees. We want it to be seven or eight. So if you have a yard, a shelter belt, whatever, and you want your trees to do really well, pull a soil test. Let's see what the K levels are. If you have great levels of K, that usually means you're going to get a lot more growth in that tree. The stock is going to be a lot healthier and stronger because everybody's been talking here in our area about these two derechos that went through this last year, knocked down all kinds of trees. Well, part of the problem is a lot of people say, oh, just plant trees and don't worry about it. It's like, where's the education to go along with the tree? Like when you buy a new car, you get an owner's manual and it tells you all the things to do. Now, granted, you may not read that and you may not care, but I'm just saying when you get a bunch of trees, you go, I mean, like when NRCS comes out and plants a shelter belt, I wish that they would hand you a little pamphlet to say, all right, now you want to make your shelter belt fantastic. Here's exactly what you do. But one of the things is K and, but I come back to soil pH um, yeah, when it's at a 5.9, uh, like around that particular kind of tree, not so bad. So when we talk soil pH, it definitely matters what, what crop we're discussing. So if it's alfalfa, you got to push that pH right near seven or even a little above. Otherwise you're getting killed on, on yield and tonnage. So even when like in one of these spots here on the soil test in front of me, it's 6.4. Okay, that's fine. In fact, it's great for corn and for soybeans. It is not great for alfalfa. It's still too low. So just look at your pH, but also look at what's my crop rotation and what should I be shooting for to maximize yield. Well, I get one more soil to run past you here, Brent. This one comes from Keith, and he said, with the attached soil on new owned ground... Uh, looking short in almost every area. I'm just wondering where to start. It was soybeans in 2022. Uh, we we now own this ground in 2023. We want to plant corn. Uh, is that advisable? And what do you see that sure. I could do to, to grow the best corn? 
Okay, when you own ground, well, let's put it this way. A lot of people have been talking about, you know what, the farm economy has been pretty good these last two or three years. That's part of the reason why land prices have gone up like they have. If you have a little extra money, and I, I don't know the size of this field. Do you know the size of this field, Darren? Uh, anyway. I don't the, I don't see it, but I would say this, Brian. It doesn't we've look a, huge. But. We've got a pH uh, variant since we're talking pH today from 5.4. To seven seven. Yes. So and we, it's not a massive field. So well, we, we don't think. Are we sure that it's not a massive field? We don't know. Anyway, there are only a few grid points. So here's one of the biggest keys if you're looking at soil pH and and like Darren said, low of five four. So immediately you're going to go, oh, I got to put some lime out there. I agree with that. But we've had this issue before where we took five acre or even we did some ten or fifteen acre zones. Well, we totally screwed it up. We we didn't realize that some of the pH in that zone was great, didn't need lime. So then we put lime on, hurt our yield. That's a bad thing. We don't want to do that. So the point here is if you're going to lime, make sure you're doing small grids or small zones so we only put the lime where we need it. But I'm going to come back to if you have a little extra money and you own the ground, so if we're in this situation, and granted, we didn't do this 20 years ago when we were young farmers, but now that we're well, we're not technically old farmers. We're probably average. Still age below farmers. average <laughs> age, Brian. Not, not, not for long. But anyway, the point is now that we have a little bit of net worth, we're willing to do it all right in one shot. So we say, all right, what's our target for P, for K, for copper, for zinc, for boron, everything? We put her all on in one shot and have it over with. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. This is Stormy Fields with your weather forecast. Today calls for a high of 68 degrees with sunny skies and not a cloud in sight. Planting windows can close fast, so when you need both speed and accuracy, choose John Deere. Our exact emerge planters and precision ag technologies give you precise seed placement for uniform emergence and the efficiency you need to gain ground. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. Come to Commodity Classic 2023 in Orlando. We'll see you in Orlando in 23. The best and most progressive farmers know Orlando is the place to be March 9th through 11th, 2023. Discover more at CommodityClassic.com. Did you know 20% of stored corn is often overventilated by three points of moisture? On 100,000 bushels, that's a whole semi-load. Stop this problem for less with the end zone for corn from Farm Shop MFG. Specially priced at $1,800 per unit while supplies last. When nematode pressure mounts, Seed Applied Trunemco provides assurance. Growers using Trunemco are seeing a difference. From early plant vigor to improved soybean and cotton yield, impressive results are everywhere, and we want to hear about yours. You could win $20,000 and be named a Trunemco Top Grower. Request your starter kit at newfarm.com forward slash top grower, but don't delay. Contest ends November 30th. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. See full rules. Newfarm.com forward slash top grower. Get the most out of every acre of your farm by attending Ag PhD's workshops and clinics this winter. I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are hosting several free workshops throughout January and February with seven full days of events on the docket, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, a tiling clinic, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. We have a lot of great information that we can't wait to share. And best of all, these events are free. Register today at agphd.com. 
Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient Flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. It takes balance to be successful in farming, because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today talking soil pH, and right now we're in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag. If you've got a question for us, you can email us radio at agphd.com or you can give us a call 844-44-AG-PHD. So we've been talking a lot about all these soil and soil fertility things at this time of year because, well, quite frankly, that's what we're getting the most questions on. And if you look at the window for a lot of farmers in the northern part of the United States, like where we farm, um, the window is very small for when we can get fertility work done. So it's basically right now at this timing or in the spring. The good news is for us, it's been exceptionally warm. One of the warmest and longest, well, warmest falls so far. I'm assuming at this point, looking at the forecast here, that it could be one of the longer falls we have, and harvest is way ahead of normal. So when that happens, that gives people in this region of the country that extra couple, three weeks to get tiling done, to get fertility work done. And with this fertility thing, it's just, it's so important to try to get as much done as possible in the fall. So then when spring comes, a farmer can focus on planting and spraying rather than worrying about all the fertilizer stuff. Okay, so the question right before the break was, hey, take a look at my soil tests, and what 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 do you see here? What do we need to do? We were talking pH, and the range was 5.4 to 7.7. 7. But here's the thing, and this was, again, owned ground. Let me just read you some numbers, and then I'll tell you what I'd do. 11 for phosphorus. Um, oh, and it looks like well, I'm not sure if this is Bray or Malik or whatever. But anyway, 11 for phos- 11 parts per million for phosphorus. K is 139 parts per million and only 1.4%. And these are the averages, okay, of uh, looks like 11 tests. Organic matter, though, is 4.4%. Cation exchange capacity is 25. Uh, the calcium is 73%. The magnesium is 14%. All four of those numbers... They're really good. So when I look at this, I say, you know what? You got pretty good soil. You're just missing some of the important nutrients. I'll also say we so don't you're saying see... it's not a bad piece of ground to pick up. No. I, I, I mean, would I buy it? You bet I would. It looks, looks fine to me. But what I would say is I want a complete test next time. I don't have boron on here, copper, manganese, iron. Uh, let's see what else am I missing. Soluble salts. I don't think I have sodium on here. So I, we don't have all the information we need. So just looking at this, I would just say, 
your phosphorus, your potassium, and your zinc. You, you just you got to raise those up. And I know fertilizer is expensive, but I also know that at the levels you're at, all three of those are crushing your yields right now. You can't raise a great crop without addressing all three of those. Because the question came in, well, what what should I do and what should I do first? Well, a lot of people look at it and say, all right, well, I only have so much money, so let's stick it into this first, and then we'll stick it into that and stick it into the other thing. And I understand the logic with that, and sometimes you can do that. But you can't in this case because all three of those things are just way too low. So you got to spread your dollars out. And granted, zinc is cheap, but uh, phosphorus and potassium, you just you got to put some on. And also, here's the next thing. A lot of people will say, all right, I'm going to fertilize for my corn and then my soybeans are going to just get whatever's left over. Well, you can't do that on a soil test that's this low. So if you want to do that on a test that's this low, you have to say, all right, what's my yield goal this year for corn? What's my yield goal next year for soybeans? So the next couple of days, Darren and I are going to be doing a whole bunch of training with uh, what's well, probably 150 agronomists from around the country. And one of the things I put together for them was, all right, in a two-year cycle, Let's say I'm going. Let's say I'm getting 250 bushel corn and 80 bushel beans. And some of these guys I know are going to say, "Well, my farmers don't average quite that." I'm like, "Oh, who cares?" The point is, at least you can see how much stuff we're talking about. Number one, and number two, your farmers might not average that, but I'll bet you, knowing where a lot of these people are from, that almost every one of your farmers has a few spots on the farm that are yielding that. So at least on those best spots, you have to be this just to maintain where you're at. So I, I just encourage you, for anybody listening today, if you're fertilizing every other year, you can do that. That's perfectly fine. But please, please look at what your yield goal is for corn, your yield goal for soybeans, and then add those two numbers together for what you're gonna what you're gonna remove on stuff. So by the way, I'll just I should pull up those numbers quick because I, I I do these things just to get people thinking a little more because most people, quite frankly, don't think about it a whole lot. They're just like, well, this is what we've been doing, and then they kind of move on. I, I don't care what anybody's been doing. Let's look at how do we get better. So here are the numbers, by the way, two-year grain removal. So I'm assuming we leave all the residue out in the field. Two-year grain removal, 250 bushel corn, 80 bushel soybeans. It's 146 pounds of phosphate. It's 159 pounds of K2O potassium. So just to replace that, just to replace that, not on a build program, just to replace the nutrients we removed, you'd have to put on 317 pounds of DAP and 264 pounds of potash. So tomorrow, when I have these 150 agronomists at the Morton Center doing training with us, I'm going to ask them, all right, how many of your farmers on any of their ground are putting on 317 pounds of DAP and 264 pounds of potash? There will probably be two hands that go up in the whole room. Also, with this two-year grain removal thing, 57 pounds of sulfur, 57 pounds, not 5.7. A lot of people think of sulfur as a micronutrient. It's not. It's a secondary nutrient, and you need lots of pounds of sulfur. So these are the big things, P, K, sulfur. All right, thanks for the question. Uh, got Tony on with us right now down in Missouri. How you doing, Tony? Doing well, you? Karen? Pretty good, pretty good. What can we do for you? I just wanted to thank you and Brian for bringing to life, you know, a lot about farming, what, you know, people, COVID helped a lot. 
people realize where food does come from instead of the grocery store. So I thank you for helping with that. Uh, my question of the day is why does uh, tomato plants, pepper plants, things like that have to die in the fall? You know, why can't they live long, a longer life, you know, in, in a controlled environment, I guess? Well, I, I guess it's the difference between annual plants and perennial plants. And uh, I, are there perennial versions of peppers and tomatoes? I don't know of any. I yes, guess. tomato is a perennial in the tropics. Okay. But around here, it's mostly grown as an annual plant. So that's the other thing. A lot of this has to do with breeding and what what type they're picking out. So, yeah, if it's an annual plant, I don't care how great the growing conditions are. It's just going to be done. And so that's our answer for you there, Tony. Oh, and I appreciate your comments about uh, a COVID helped people understand a little bit more where their food came from. Uh, you, there, there's just such a big disconnect between the city person, it seems like, or the, uh, well, just people off the farm, period, and farmers. And so, like, my wife even was not from the farm. And so there just have been a lot of things over the years where I just, I mean, she's super smart and everything. It's just when you're not exposed to any of that, how do you know some of those things? And all you hear about farming is in the media, and sometimes the uh, portrayal's not the best. That is correct. And my wife was not raised on a farm either. Always wanted to marry a farmer, so she got him. <laughs> so what does she think now of uh, farm life? She wonders day to day, you know, uh, what are you doing? Why Why do we need that? You know, why you yep. got to go buy something else, you know? So, yep. it, it, but she finds out in the end it, it why, you yeah. know, you got to have it. You know, it, it works. It, yep. it makes it more efficient, things like that. So. Yep. Yeah. Farming is an interesting business. And I, I just feel lucky that we continue to get so much new technology. And I mean, just flat out knowledge. I mean, sharing information is so much easier than it used to be. So I can find out from somebody in the other halfway across the world even. OK, what are you doing? And we pick up some things from people like that. And it's it's just awesome. Hopefully we keep getting better every year. Hey, Tony, thanks a lot for the call today. Oh, do you have something Thank else? Thank you very much. Oh, yeah. You bet. Uh, yeah, uh, just real quick. Have you tried the Pivot Bio uh, fertilizer on the corn? I mean, I know how you yep. cringe about fertilizer near corn. Yeah, it's <laughs> interesting. We I just saw some data, uh, and it's there's more data rolling in about uh, cutting the rate, and, and there were some folks that well, did some, some major cut rate trials, well, and they found where they didn't cut the rate back, they had their best yields. <laughs> So I would say the the cutting of nitrogen does make me nervous. I want to make sure we have plenty. Well, yeah, but I mean, those, those kind of products, there are different biologicals that can work. The trick is getting them at the right rate and getting the nitrogen applied, the commercial nitrogen applied at the right rate. So, yeah, we're just we're looking forward to a lot more testing because we think that is the future. All right. Thanks for the call, Tony. Really appreciate that. And thanks to you for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.